0: Hey, if you got a Bible, you can turn to the book of John. We're going to be in John uh, chapter 16 tonight. Um, and while you're turning there, it'll be a minute before we get to it. But we are in a series uh, this semester uh, talking about these different questions that you have uh, submitted over the break. So we're kind of talking about a variety of subjects throughout the semester. Um, and a few of the questions that you guys submitted over the break had to do with the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do over the next two weeks is specifically, talk about the Holy Spirit and really answer two questions. Tonight, we're going to talk about uh, how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? How do I hear from the Holy Spirit? And next week, we're going to talk about the ever controversial one uh, what do prophecy in tongues look like in the church, the gifts of the Spirit, and why do we, at least not usually, <laughs> speak in tongues at ABC? And so, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. But tonight, we're going to talk about this idea of, of hearing from the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to listen to, uh, to the Spirit? The song we sang a second ago really kind of did a great job introing that for us. Um, but so LifeWay Research, LifeWay is an entity of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, they used to be a bookstore. They kind of still sell books now, but online. Um, they did a study a couple of years ago, and they, they researched kind of self-professing uh, evangelicals in America and asked them, Hey, you know, describe the Holy Spirit to me in this research study, and about 60% of the self-identifying evangelicals believe that the Holy Spirit is a force, that it's a force. You know, I don't know if they meant like Star Wars force, but um, (laughs) when they described it, they described it more uh, like a force. And it's interesting because the Spirit in many ways, even in the church, is the mysterious thing. You know, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit maybe leading us in some kind of way to make a certain decision, maybe... Experiencing the Holy Spirit in a worship service, right? We talk about that, but you know, but is that really all the Spirit does? Is that you know, does it only exist to make us feel a certain way? Is that its main main job? Uh, but one thing important thing to know as we get into this conversation is contrary to that study in the sixty percent who said it's a force, the Spirit is not a force. all right It's definitely not the force from Star Wars. Um, it is a person. That the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father is and as God the Son is. And so many times we talk about the Spirit, nothing wrong with that, but we also can talk about the Spirit as He, because it's God. The Spirit is God. The Bible makes that really clear. And so the Spirit's a person, which therefore means that the Spirit wants to speak to us. The Spirit has a desire to communicate to us. You can read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is full of examples of the Holy Spirit speaking to people, saying, hey, I want you to go and do this, or I want you to go and... Tell this person about Jesus all over the New Testament, especially the book of Acts that happens. And while there's lots of debate about how exactly Acts is applied to, you know, our everyday experience as Christians, it seems really clear from the Bible that the Holy Spirit does want to speak to us. It wants to communicate to us. The question is, how exactly does that work? because this gets really kind of cloudy and confusing in the Christian life for a lot of times. And, you know, I grew up in the Baptist church, like probably many of you did. I grew up Southern Baptist um, in South Alabama. And and to to me growing up, the Holy Spirit, many times, even though we didn't call it a force, it did kind of seem like this mysterious thing that we didn't really quite understand. You you hear these phrases like the Spirit led me or the Spirit led um, or the Spirit put this on my heart. And that's great, but it all kind of seems very subjective and hard to define, right? It's all very mysterious. And for me, I've only really had one specific moment in my life where I could say the Spirit you know, very clearly spoke um, in a not audible, but almost audible voice. You know, it wasn't audible like I didn't hear a voice from heaven, but it might as well have been audible in how just you know clear it was, if that makes any sense. It was right after I, sorry, I was about to graduate. I was in my last semester, I want to say, of college. I was trying to decide what i was going to do after school um i'm like i'm praying i'm reading the bible I, i'm not a journaler but i was journaling during that season that's how like desperate i was to hear from god i'm journaling you know all this stuff and one night i'm reading first peter i come to first peter four ten, which says that each one who has received the gift should use it to serve others and god just says i want you to use your gift of engineering to go serve me on mission uh, overseas it wasn't like an audible voice, but it was so clear, like there was no doubting that God was speaking to me, the Spirit was speaking to me in that moment saying, I want you to do this. But that's literally the only time in my life that's ever happened. Uh, and I was, well, like 20, 21, I'm 33, never had an experience like that outside of that one time. Now, other people I know feel like they get words from the Lord on like a monthly basis. You know, I'm like, hey, can you get me on that email list? I want to be more in touch with God, then, somehow like that. But that's just not my experience. And I think that that seems to be, you know, there's a diverse of my experiences when it comes to this kind of stuff. But when it comes to maybe you hearing from the Holy Spirit, maybe you feel like you have a little bit of Holy Spirit FOMO. Like, you know, you maybe feel like you're supposed to be hearing more from the Spirit, but you're not like you're missing out. Right. Maybe he's saying something to you that you're just not hearing. Right. You're not on the right frequency. And if you just figure something out, maybe you would hear more. Maybe you're kind of in that boat. You know, maybe you're just not listening well enough. I don't know. Maybe you're trying to make a big decision. Maybe like I was into college trying to figure out what the next step is and and you're really trying to seek out and get that big holy spirit moment to make it clear i don't think god always works in that kind of way i think sometimes he works in different ways to get us to seek him out and to trust him more but sometimes he does speak in those big moments and so as we talk about this tonight i'll be the first to admit that the holy spirit and this idea we're talking about is very mysterious i mean the the bible in the New Testament and the Old Testament really speaks kind of mysteriously about the, old, about the Holy Spirit. Jesus in John 3, he talks about how, you know, it's like the wind. You, you see the effects of it, right? You see like the trees when the branches sway in the wind. You see the effects, but you don't see the wind. And that way is the Spirit. Like it's this mysterious thing we don't always understand and see. But... We do find some really helpful explanations in the Bible about how the Spirit works and how we can be better listeners to the Spirit. And I think one of those places is in John 16 tonight. So if you got your Bible, we're in John 16, uh, verses uh, 4 through 15. And so I'm going to read this. We're not going to walk word by word, verse by verse, through this tonight, um, but I do think it gives us some really helpful thoughts we're going to kind of unpack throughout our time together. So let's read this, uh, John 16, 4 through 15. This is Jesus speaking to His disciples. I'll give you more context in a second, but just know it's Him speaking to his disciples. He says this, "But I have said these things to you. He's already said a lot, but I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to Him who has sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless. Father, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. We believe that you are a God who is still speaking, that your spirit desires to speak to us. I pray that we would be good listeners, uh, that our hearts would be good soil tonight. I pray this would be a a helpful conversation and encouraging time to where we all can walk away from this um, with more clarity on what it means to hear from you, to hear from your spirit, and that we uh, would walk away wanting to submit more and put ourselves in a better position to hear from you and be guided by you and be used by you for your glory. pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so in my study for this, I was kind of reading some different articles, um, things like that, trying to get some more thoughts. And uh, I came across this article by a pastor named Jonathan Dodson. He's actually a pastor uh, in Austin, Texas. So Ella Shipper, wherever you're at. Aren't you from Austin, right? Yeah, so anyway, so he wrote this article about the Holy Spirit, thought it was really good. But in the article, he made this kind of offhand comment that was not the point of the article. But I read it, I'm like, that's it. That's such a great statement for this. And you see this in John 16. um, And I'm not sure if he was inspired by it or not. I don't know if it's maybe the Lord working in cool ways. But I I love what he said. I wanna read this quote to you because it's gonna be the way we break down our time tonight. And I think it lines up well with John 16. I'm not forcing this on it, I don't think. But Jonathan Dodson said this way. He says, listening to the Spirit requires Three things. An awareness of his presence, an attentiveness to God's word, and recognition of how he works. So as a pastor, you know I love the three points, right? But I, I, but I think that really makes a lot of sense. And so tonight we're going to talk about those three things as a uh, as really important ways of how to listen to the Spirit, and we see them in, uh, in John 16. So let's talk about them. First off, this will be the place we spend a little bit more time because it sets us up for the rest of the time. But first, we have to be aware of his presence. It starts with an awareness of his presence. But this quick context, like I mentioned um, in this text. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples um, in the upper room in John 16. He's speaking to the 11 disciples at this point because Judas has already kind of left to go betray Jesus, to sell him out, literally. Um, And so this is called the upper room discourse. This is Jesus giving his last kind of words to the disciples uh, before his crucifixion, his betrayal, crucifixion, and death. And so this is his last moments with them. So you imagine he's saying important things, right? He's giving them some last important thoughts and he mentions a lot about the Holy Spirit, which I think should tell us some things about how important the Spirit should be in our lives. But there's a lot we could say about the, this passage tonight, but I want to point out a couple of things. Notice, first off, how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the helper, and it's like a capital H, right? Because it's referring to uh, the Spirit. But in context, Jesus is first referring to how the Holy Spirit's going to come and indwell Christians so that they can be better witnesses for him after he ascends to heaven, right? And we know in your Bible, if you know it well, in Acts, what happens? In early Acts, Pentecost, right? That we have the flaming tongues that come down. We'll talk about that more next week. But we have the, the Spirit coming and descending on, believers indwelling the church in Jerusalem. And then they're empowered to be witnesses all really throughout the world, ultimately. That's Jesus here. Jesus is foreshadowing that. So for us in 2021 on the backside of Pentecost, right, we know that the Spirit for us then is our helper to know Jesus and make him known in the world. He's our helper in that way. But that word helper is interesting. It's the word paraclete. You may have heard that before. Not parakeet, not like the bird, like paraclete, para being like come alongside. You've probably heard of that in other ways before, um, like, a, like a paramedic comes alongside like doctors. But that word can also mean like advocate or mediator. So it's helper or advocate or mediator, which I think gives us some good insight on what the Spirit is supposed to do in those definitions, because that idea of helper could be something like this. I found this helpful this week as I was looking. The helper could be you know, someone who like falls down beside us, as in if we're collapsed by the road, a helper comes along, they kneel down beside us, they care for us, and they carry us to safety, that he's our helper in that way. He comes to us in our need. But also when it comes to advocate or mediator, that can mean someone who who pleads the case of somebody else. You know, that they stand in between two parties, they plead the case of one specific one. And so the Holy Spirit then, in many ways, is our advocate, our mediator between us and God. That Jesus is the one who did the work to bridge the gap between us and God, but the Holy Spirit is the one that applies that work to um, to our lives. There's some Trinitarian theology for you tonight. You probably didn't expect you are getting all this. All right, but the Spirit takes the work that Christ has done and applies it to our lives and intercedes for us. That's kind of the picture of the Trinity that we see in the Bible. But when you begin to think about even just this idea of the Spirit being um, this helper, it's really incredible if you start thinking about it because you, maybe you've had this idea before that you know, you're like, you know, it, it'd be way easier to be a Christian if I could just like sit down with Jesus one time and talk to him. If me and Jesus could like, you know, like the country song, have a beer with Jesus, you know, or maybe just have a uh, heritage house with Jesus, you know, maybe more Christian that way. If I could just sit down and, and talk to Jesus one-on-one, maybe have him come along with me in, in my day one day, that would be really helpful. Like I would, my faith would be so much stronger. You ever thought that before? I definitely think I have. But, but I love the way that J.D. Greer, a pastor in North Carolina, says it. He says this, the spirit inside of us is even better than Jesus beside us. The Spirit inside of us is actually even better than having Jesus beside us. Now, why would that be the case? Well, in John 14, right before John 16, Jesus says the Spirit will come and dwell in you. 1 Corinthians 6 says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we get that idea. But why would it be the case that the Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us? Well, because with the Spirit inside of us, we have access in a way that we couldn't just physically with intimacy with God that the spirit inside of us gives us this incredible intimacy with God that wouldn't even be possible if Jesus was just physically beside us. But now he's living inside of us. He has access to us in only the way that he can through his spirit. So while it may be convenient in some ways to have like the, the physical Jesus with us, it's even better that the spirit has come to be our helper, our advocate, our mediator. Uh, but the problem is this. It's, it's not that the spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. The problem is that So often we're not aware of the Spirit's presence in our lives. So often we're not aware of Him dwelling inside of us in a very tangible way. You know, we we may know theologically, like you can check the boxes. Yeah, I know. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I get that. But we're not aware of, realistically, His presence in us, with us, and how He wants to guide us. And so if we're going to talk about listening to the Holy Spirit, we got to start with this idea of being aware of His presence uh, moment by moment. But if I'm honest, this is honestly incredibly hard. It's, it's difficult. It's challenging because in our modern day, we're really busy. And even more than that, we're really distracted. Um, I talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago in my sermon, but, you know, many Christians I know struggle with this idea of because of our access to so many distractions today, you know, so, so many areas of entertainment, that we have this constant connection with like the literal internet in our pocket, all this kind of stuff you know, we are so easily distracted and we have such busy minds these days to where it's really hard for us to sometimes be aware of the Spirit's work in our lives. It's really easy for us to develop very busy hearts and minds in our everyday lives. Uh, Psychologists in recent years have talked about how we are, as a culture, losing the ability to do deep work. That because of our constant distraction, we're getting way less good at doing tasks that require deep thought, deep concentration, you know, uh, really creative works. We're getting less good at that because, is that probably the best grammar for it, but you get what I'm saying, like, our, we're getting worse at that because of the distractions we have, it's in our pockets. We, you know, we, we love that dopamine hit of checking that notification on our phone from Instagram, and even though that seems like a small thing, over time it has big effects on our, our attention spans, all that kind of stuff, we're losing this ability. And this also affects our spiritual lives. That we don't just lose the ability to do deep work, we also lose the ability for deep thoughtfulness, uh, for deep prayer, you know, and deep connection with God. Because our minds end up constantly kind of idling, you know, like our RPMs are maybe low, but they're they're going all the time. It's like your computer, if you're a computer nerd, like your RAM, like, you know, your RAM's getting eaten up by all this other stuff to where your computer can't do the work it really uh, could do because it's being distracted by so many other things. Computer science guys, I probably explained that wrong, I'm sorry, but you get the idea, Okay. But this all affects the way that we can really deeply connect with God. And I'm not trying to be like the, the convergent old man in this at all, you know. But I think these things, we have to be aware of them if we're going to counteract them and try to connect deeply with God and hear well from, from the Spirit. Because, you know, yes, the Spirit can do whatever He wants. He can break through our distraction, right? He can break through our hard hearts and distracted minds, absolutely. But I believe that we have the responsibility to cultivate ourselves to be good soil, for the Spirit to speak to us. So then how, how do we grow in this awareness? Like, what, what do we do? Well, I think a really helpful idea is to work on this thought that um, a guy introduced many years ago called practicing the presence of God. That if we're going to listen to the Spirit, be, a more, be more aware of His presence, we need to work on practicing the presence of God throughout your day. Uh, back in the 17th century, there was this monk uh, named Brother Lawrence And he decided when he entered the monastery that um, he was like, you know what? I know the spirit's presence is not limited just to you know church services and prayer. I want to live moment by moment in the presence of God. That's kind of what he determined. And he wrote a short book uh, called "Practicing the Presence of God." If you want to go read it, it's on the internet. It's super old, so it's like free to read. Um, And he described in it how he tried through effort over a long time to grow in his awareness of God's presence in everything, like like cooking meals, you know, sweeping the floor, going for a walk, all these things. He was trying to grow in his awareness of God's presence in that even mundane thing in that very moment. And through that, he tells the story of how he develops this incredible intimacy with God. He was able to feel so much more in tune with what the Spirit's wanting to do in his life and through him, all through this idea of practicing God's presence. Now, I know that sounds great for like a monk, right? You know, in the 17th century who had no smartphone, who had no, you know, internet, whatever. It sounds great for him. But I think it still has relevance in our lives today. You know, just think about this. You know, what if in your own life you began your day by intentionally acknowledging God's presence in the morning? And handing over, submitting in prayer the day to God, saying, God, this day is yours. I want you to do with it what you want. What if as you drove to work or drove to class, as you walked to class, you know, instead of maybe just kinda pulling out your phone and checking whatever email notification or whatever it is, instead you took that time to pray, that time to just be still in your spirit and ask God, maybe what He's trying to speak to you, to, to be silent. You know, what if when your day hit a snag and you, you had an opportunity to maybe get just kind of grouchy in your spirit about what's going on, instead of just getting, you know, into that complaining mode, what if instead you took that opportunity to voice that complaint to God and say, God, like, give me strength to just not have a bad attitude about this, but to, to love you in the midst of this? You know, what What if you could use even mundane things like doing the dishes, right? Like cleaning the kitchen, which your roommate would probably appreciate if you did sometimes, like doing the dishes. You know, what if you took even mundane things like that and used them as a way to just be still, to, to listen to God, to meditate even on what God is teaching and maybe meditate on what you read in the Bible even that day. And I, I, that all sounds like super radical and like hippie Jesus kind of stuff. Well, it is, it's very, it's very radical. It's not hippie Jesus, but it is very radical. But f- few people live that way for sure, but few people had that kind of intimacy with God, and living that way is what leads to this kind of intimacy, and if we want want that kind of intimacy, we have to seek Him in that way, you know, because more often, we're more distracted by devices instead of making time for that kind of stuff, for prayer, for silence, for connection, and I'll be honest, like, that description of the day... My days are very much not like that normally. I wish my days were more like that, but I'm challenging myself in this message, as I thought about this this week, to realize that I have a lot of room to grow in this, and I want to invite you to join me in this, because you know, based on how many people I talk to who feel you know, disconnected from God, who feel anxious, who feel worried, who feel depressed, based on the conversations I have with people who feel that way, I think we all need to be mindful of how distracted we can be and how little thought we normally give to God's daily presence with us and how he wants to walk with us through each moment and how we need this ability to slow down and how we have to cultivate it. We have to practice it. It's not something we begin tomorrow and just nail. It's something that we have to develop in our lives. So as we begin this conversation, I want to challenge you with that. How can you practice and grow in God's presence moment by moment? Because if you're going to listen to the spirit, it's got to begin there. It's got to begin there. So the second thing, though, is not just an awareness of God's presence. It's also an attentiveness to God's word. If you go back to John 16, Jesus says that the spirit will not speak on his own authority, but he'll take what belongs to Jesus and declare it to the disciples. And in John 14, right before John 16, Jesus kind of echoes this. He says that the spirit will bring to remembrance all that he commanded them. And so specifically for the disciples, Jesus is saying, hey, when the Spirit comes, I'm gonna make many of the things that you heard from, about me earlier make a lot more sense. You think about the disciples, they, they kind of didn't get it most of the time in, in their ministry, right? They really, never really quite got the resurrected Messiah thing until after Jesus died and resurrected, right? You know, they, they really didn't understand it, but then the Spirit comes, fills them, and they're out on the streets preaching, right? They finally get it when the Spirit comes, and I think that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here, but, but we have the Spirit at this point. And this is an important point for us to recognize is this, is that the Spirit, according to these verses, is always going to speak to us in connection with what God has already revealed in Christ. The Spirit's always going to speak to us in connection with what God has already revealed to us in Christ. You know, sometimes the Spirit will reveal things to us, like, you know, maybe a heart attitude we need to repent of, maybe a person we need to pray for, or maybe we need to text them and reach out to them. Maybe the Spirit will reveal to us someone we need to tell about Jesus, someone in your class, someone on campus, I don't know, sometimes the Spirit leads us to do strange things. And there are plenty of examples in the Bible about that, but the Spirit is always going to work in agreement with what God has already revealed to the world. The Spirit is not going to provide new revelation to us in the sense that the Spirit is going to provide us new truth that God already hasn't provided, that, that previous generations didn't know. Right, the Spirit's not gonna reveal in that way. Instead, the Spirit's gonna guide us to apply the truth that God has revealed to us to the world, and it's gonna help us discern that truth and to apply it to our lives, what he's already provided. And if you think about it, where then has God provided the fullness of his revealed will to us? Right, he's, he's provided it in the Bible. I almost pulled up my Bible, but I have my iPad tonight, but he's provided it in, in the Bible. His full, re, full revealed will, will, will is in the Bible. You know, a few weeks ago, earlier in this series, we talked about the Bible, right, how we got the Bible. We talked about how it is God's inspired word to us, how it contains no errors. It is infallible and inerrant. And we talked about how it's completely sufficient for us, that it teaches us everything that we need to know about God and his will in the world, right? We don't need any new revelation from God. He's given us all that we need in the Bible. There's a reason that the book of Revelation ends saying, hey, don't add to this book, You know, yes, I know it's talking about Revelation, the book specifically, but there's a reason that God in his sovereignty put that at the end of the Bible, right? He's saying, don't add to this. You don't need any more. Otherwise, you're a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. You're adding to God's revealed will. We don't need that, right? It's been complete in the Bible. So when it comes to hearing from the Spirit, here's the thing. We got to be careful to not think that we need to hear from the Spirit because the Bible isn't enough for us. Like, if you know, God, if you just speak to me through this big emotional experience, that's what I really need. Like when the Bible's sitting on our desk the whole time saying, here's God's will. Here's how God wants to speak to you. Here's how the Spirit wants to reveal things to you. Get in that and then submit yourself to hearing, to God, hearing from God's Spirit. Because, yeah, the Spirit's definitely going to convict us of certain things. The Spirit's going to speak to us. But the Spirit isn't going to give us any new truth. But we, we have all the truth that we need in the Bible. The fact is, if we want to hear more from the Holy Spirit, we first got to hear more from God's Word in the Bible. Another job of the Spirit, you know, is to illuminate our hearts to understand the Bible. So we can understand it and obey it, but the Spirit can't illuminate our hearts more if we don't already have God's truth in our hearts and minds. You know, If the Spirit wants to bring to remembrance what Christ has commanded us, if he wants to guide us in God's revealed truth, then we got to be saturating ourselves in Scripture so that the Spirit has lots of truth to pull from so that it can guide us with that truth. A couple of years ago, I was way better at running than I am now. I've not been a great runner the past couple of years. But before that, when I was better at it, I learned very early on that what you eat before you run is really important. And pro tip, Chipotle is not the thing to eat before you run unless you want to, you know, I almost emptied out a whole burrito bowl on the side of University Boulevard from my stomach a couple of years ago because I ate it and then ran. Sour cream didn't work well for a run, okay? But the carbs that you take in before a run are really, really important. They give your body access to the energy that you need to run, right? How can we get, we get that nutrition idea? Otherwise, you'll get exhausted, right? You're gonna end up laying out on the side of the road because you've used up all your energy. You have nothing else to to offer in the run. But so often in our lives, the thing is that we wanna run the marathon of walking with God in the Spirit, but we aren't taking in the carbs that we need in God's Word to give us that energy. That without storing God's Word in our heart, the Spirit's gonna have way less resources of truth to bring to mind when you need it. When you're in a moment of temptation, imagine the spirit in your mind go into your kind of ammunition closet of all the things that you've stored up in your heart in terms of scripture and scriptural truth. If there's barely anything in there, but like a John three sixteen and that God is love, what's he gonna pull from in that moment to reveal to you, right? You have it stored it up in your heart and mind. And that's the idea that we see here. I'm not limiting God in this at all. He can do whatever he wants. But if we really wanna hear from the spirit, if we wanna be listeners of the spirit, we gotta start by immersing ourselves in the truth that God has already plainly revealed to us. And not say that, well, if you just would give me this big emotional experience, that that would be better. When God says, here's here's my word that I've revealed so clearly to you. Read this, study this. And then, yeah, then I'll speak to you in the way I need to. But it's going to be in light and connected to this book that I've given you. Be satisfied with this. Okay? So that attentiveness to God's word is so big. Last point and then we'll take some time to chat at our tables. The third thing is not just awareness of his presence, not just attentiveness to his word, but it's also a recognition of how he, the spirit, works. Because Jesus in John 16 gives us plenty about what the spirit has come to do. And you can see all things there. He's come to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's come to guide us into all truth, to speak to us on behalf of Christ. He's come to glorify Jesus by taking what's God's and declaring it to us. And we've already mentioned how the Spirit won't give us new revelation because we don't need that. It's not necessary. We've received all that we need. But in this process of listening to the Spirit, this does mean that we got to recognize the way the Spirit works. We have to understand the way He works. And, and when we think we are hearing from the Spirit, we have to have a way to kind of test that message and discern if, if it's really something from the Spirit or maybe from the Chipotle that I had for lunch um, earlier. We need to have a way to discern because if it's not lining up with the ways that God reveals the, um, the Spirit working in the Bible, it may not be the Spirit. It may be something else. And so, I want to give you five diagnostic questions. They're on your sheet. Five diagnostic questions to, to ask when you think you're hearing from the Spirit. The first one is this: is, is it just your emotions or sinful flesh? Now these build these build on themselves, and so you know this one is a little bit tricky. But sometimes it's really easy for us to confuse our own emotions with the spirit. So we gotta be really careful that we pray through whatever we feel like we're hearing and to be very discerning. Doesn't mean that emotions are bad, that God has given us emotions. They're they're good. But just because we feel something doesn't mean it's reality, right? Let me say that again. Your generation needs to hear this. So just because you feel it doesn't mean it's reality. Okay? (laughs) My generation needs it too. I'm not a I sounded so old when I said that. But it's true. Like just because we feel it doesn't mean it's reality. All right? But Our whole selves are broken by sin, and our sinful flesh can get in the way of hearing from God. And so if we're not careful, it's really easy for us to convince ourselves that we're hearing from God, but really we're just telling ourselves what we want to hear and putting God's label on it, right? I've done that before in my life, that I've really wanted something to be true, and I've kind of, in some kind of way, distorted it and said, that's what God's telling me when he wasn't, because I wanted it to be true. I wasn't being discerning of the Spirit. So we have to be dedicated to praying for discernment in things when we hear from the Spirit. So that's the first question, and these kind of build on each other. The second one is, does it glorify Jesus and point you to the gospel? Because John 16 says that the Spirit will glorify Jesus, and so if what you're hearing from the Spirit doesn't do that, it ain't the Spirit. I don't know what it is, but it's not the Spirit, because the Spirit's going to point us back to Christ, to his love for us, and to his finished work in our place, Yes, the Spirit will convict us of sin. We see that clearly in this passage. But that conviction should always lead us to the hope that we have in the gospel. Consider 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So if our guilt doesn't lead us to repent by turning to Jesus, then it's not guilt from the Spirit. Instead, that's probably a demonic force trying to accuse you trying to condemn you, and what you need to do in that moment is to refute that condemnation with the Bible in Romans 8, which says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That when the the enemy accuses you of being a broken, dirty, rotten sinner, you say, yes, I absolutely am that, but there's a Savior who saved me. There's a Savior in my place, right? So we refute that with the gospel. So we got to remember that kind of stuff. Does it glorify Jesus to point us to the gospel? If not, it's not a word from the Spirit, all right? It's not. Number three, does it agree with Scripture? Kind of obvious, not gonna spend a lot of time here, but the Spirit's not gonna tell you anything that disagrees with Scripture. I've heard guys say before, um, well, through friends of friends, not directly, that they've had guys tell them in the church that God is leading me to leave my wife and kids and go marry this other girl. I'm like, no, God will never lead you to do that, right? The Bible's clear that adultery is sin, right? God's never gonna lead you to sin. He's never gonna lead you to do something that goes against his word. In fact, I think it's really helpful when you think you're hearing something from, from the Spirit, especially if it's a, a big thing, that you go to the Bible and you find some scripture to support what you're hearing. That you find like a, a text that you can cling on to for extra confirmation and assurance. For me, it was First Peter 4.10 that God in that moment spoke so clearly to me through that. So I held on to that verse whenever I began to doubt. Did, did I really hear from God? Like, no, no, I, I remember that. I heard from him and it's confirmed in his word. It's not just this subjective thing, but I have this concrete evidence in it. Number four, does it line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians five twenty two and 23 says, the VBS song, you probably know, but it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this thing, there is no law. And so, while, yes, those are character traits that we're supposed to develop as we walk in the Spirit... Anything we think the Spirit is telling us is gonna have to line up with those things. It's gonna have to line up with creating in us those characteristics. So if the Spirit is telling you something that doesn't lead you to grow in love or joy, to lead you to be a more patient person, it's not the Spirit. It may be something else, but it's not the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is a great diagnostic sometimes to think about. And then finally, number five. Do other mature Christians affirm it? Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, That what you hear from other people always has to be, or sorry, what you hear from the Spirit always has to be affirmed by other Christians. Sometimes the Spirit tells us stuff and other people aren't quite sure about that. Just give you an example. uh, Acts 21 4, Paul is going to Jerusalem to uh, be a witness, and this happens. It says, And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But what does Paul do? He goes to Jerusalem. Which to me is confusing. I'm like, wait, did Paul disobey the Holy Spirit? I had to wrestle with that. I'm like, I don't think that's what happened there. I think what happened is that the Spirit was revealing to these disciples what was gonna happen to Paul when he got there. That he was gonna be persecuted, right, and imprisoned. And through that revelation, they say, no, don't go. Like, this is gonna happen to you. It's not the Spirit saying, don't go. If that was the case, Paul wouldn't have gone. But instead, they were saying, hey, don't go because we know what's gonna happen to you. They were, they were concerned about him. We get that. But overall, God has given us Christian community as a way for us to support each other and discern the ways we're being called and spoken to by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you're wrestling with something that the Spirit may be telling you, it can be really helpful to go to a mature Christian, mature being important, right? Maybe not your friend who just became a Christian. That's awesome, but maybe not them in this case. Maybe someone who's been walking with Jesus for a couple of years. Go to a mature Christian and tell them, hey, this is what I'm hearing from the Spirit. Like, what do you think about that? Do you see any evidence of this in my life that this may be something I need to be listening to? Like, give, give me some feedback. And they may be able to affirm some of that. You know, an example in my life is when I was discerning a call to, um, to like, be a pastor, to be in ministry leadership. Um, I... I'd, had this kind of prompting in my life. I felt like God was leading me in this direction, but I began to talk to some friends and ask, hey, what do you think about this? Like, does this seem like something that God has been working in my life? Does it make sense? And I got numerous people saying, yes, like I, I see the evidence of this, the evidence of this, um, of God doing this in your life and drawing you to this point. I affirm what the spirit is saying to you. So yes, I think this is, this is right. And that was super helpful for me to have not just the internal prompting through the spirit, but also the affirmation of some mature Christians in my life to tell me, yeah, this makes, um, not just makes sense, but yeah, we see this in your own life. So while you shouldn't lean completely on the opinion of your friends for sure, you, do, you need to go to God about it, first of all. But it can be super helpful to get the input of other Christians when it comes to things you think you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Okay? So before we discuss, um, just to review really quickly, that quote again. Listening to the Spirit requires three things, an awareness of His presence, an attentiveness to God's Word, and a recognition of how He works. So for you tonight, if you're asking, how can I hear more from the Spirit, first off, you've got to ask, are you listening? Because the Spirit wants to speak to you, but are you practicing His presence? Are you practicing the presence of God to put yourself in a position to hear more clearly from Him? Or... Are you just constantly distracted and running the RPMs of your head and your heart all the time and not giving space for the Spirit to speak? Also, though, are you immersing yourself in God's Word so that the Spirit has lots of truth to reveal to you from God's Word in the times that you need it? And thirdly, are you aware of how the Spirit works so you can ask the right questions to discern what the Spirit's saying. These are all really helpful things to think about when it comes to this, okay? So I want to pray for us, and then I want to give you guys some time to discuss at your table. There's three questions there you can chat about. We'll give you about 10 to 15 minutes to, um, to talk, and then I'll come up and dismiss us, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a God who's, a, who's not far off and distant. You're not a God who just created the world and just set it into motion and just said it exists, but instead you're a God that is intimately involved in the world. You're a God that has made us in your image. You're a God that loves us. That Even in our rebellion against you in sin that you have pursued us in Christ. And that you're a God who wants to have an intimate relationship with us. You're a God that puts your spirit to dwell inside of us if we're in Christ. And in, in the mystery of the spirit, that's even better than Jesus being physically beside us. So I pray for these students tonight as they wrestle with this question of, of listening to your spirit, that they would be people who practice your presence, who find ways to create margin in their hearts and minds to be able to have moments to be able to hear from you. That they would be people who are immersed in your word to where your truth is saturated in their hearts and minds, to where you have so many ways, so many avenues to remind them of what you told them in your word. So many foundational things to pull, um, to pull from. And finally, Lord, I pray that they would be students that are discerning of the ways you speak, that they would be um, students that have a, a posture of humility to hear from you, but also a posture that wants to evaluate and test spirits to make sure they're from you, and even have community to where they can affirm in each other the ways you may be leading them and guiding them. Lord, we love you. We ask you to guide our discussion for your glory. pray in Christ's name, amen.